The boy was uncomfortable. The stranger knew why. Does love bother you, boy? He said nothing, but the boy nodded after a pause. What troubles you about it? The boy did not speak immediately, but the stranger reconsidered his position in the tale, coming to the close of this section of Odin's story. The night was nearing its center, and the host would be coming soon. He could not linger much longer. This tale, and then one more. That was all he had time for, but the boy needed it. The stranger could tell. Is it your mother? What she has told you about love, that it is foolish and exists only to hurt and mislead, that men are not to be trusted and maidens protected. Surprised, the boy nodded. That's what she says, almost exactly as if from her mouth. The stranger smiled. Odin has said some uncharitable things about women, too. He regrets it, I assure you. Frigga made sure that he did. Do you know why he said such things about the untrustworthiness of women? He was angry, angry at himself, but in his words, angry at Gunlod. The boy squinted in disbelief. Why would he be angry at Gunlod? The stranger's eye twinkled. You will see. Let us conclude the tale and return to the burden of Gunlod's arms, to Farmer Arma Gunlordar and the Mead of Poetry. Welcome to Goddessy, Season 2, Episode 9, On Eagle's Wings. For three days did Farmer, who was Bulwerker the Illworker, stay in Gunlod's bed. Three days did they please one another, glad of company and companionship. Three days, boy. One day that will mean something to you. But see that number three, Farmer did. He stroked her snow-white arm as she slept, smelling of heather. After a moment, she opened her eyes and smiled at him, rolling over to get a better look at him. What a glad burden you are, she said sleepily, before reaching off the bed for her goblet of wine, only to find it empty. Farmer went to get the picture to refill it, but it too was empty. We have need of drink, beloved, said Farmer, looking off the bed, though I would not leave the confines of this paradise. She sat up and pulled the heavy wolfskin cloak off the side of the bed to cover herself, or indeed save the warmth of their bodies. The secret fortress of Satung deep within the heart of the mountain was cold. Farmer stopped her, kissing her shoulder and sending a shiver down her spine. You may not, but we have to leave it at some point, Burden. I, for one, hunger. She rose, gathering her discarded clothes and finding her warm boots. Gunlo did not go for her weapon, having no need for it. Turning back, she found Farmer weeping into his hands quietly, ashamed. Why do you cry? We will return to the bed soon enough. He shook his head as she placed an arm around him. I came here so I could sing of you, of your beauty, grace, skill, intelligence. Now I've seen it all and the words escape me. No poet am I. No mead could help me find the right words. Goodlode held him close and let him weep, but something troubled her. Famir could tell. I'm sorry, sweet Goodlode. I did not mean to trouble you. When I return to my world, I will sing of your praises. And that was the promise I gave, but now I have placed the burden of you on you, knowing the truth, and it has upset you. She shook her head. No, no, sweet Burton. 
know I was thinking. I have an idea. Come with me. She dressed him and held his hand, and they walked from her bedroom down into the main hall and then below into a chamber that seemed to Farmir recently made. Within, he found a chamber very tight and full, with three massive golden bowls that were warm and bubbled, the liquid within shining and illuminated. What is this magic? Farmer asked Goodload. She smiled. My father recently came into possession of this magic drink called the Mead of Poetry. Made from the blood of some Vanir whelp, he said, and when he drinks it, he becomes both wise and witty. I thought you might try some and see what song you say. This shocked Farmir, looking to each one of the massive golden kettles. I... I couldn't. Your father is so powerful, would he not notice some had been taken? You'd be forced to reveal it was me, and I would surely die. Goodload smiled, shrugging. Well, he may. He is not very bright, and the mead takes a moment to kick in. I do not think he would notice. Farmer was not yet convinced. How much, though? In which container? There are three, and I would not know which is which. Nor did Gunload, and she thought for a moment. Three delightful nights, and more if you stay. I dare say you have earned three sips. Climb the ladder there, on the sides, and take a sip. Father will not notice. And so Farmir did. He climbed atop each one, reaching down, and took a sip of each. Each time he came down with full cheeks but swallowed, his skin seeming to glow. How do you feel? Gunlod asked Farmir, and he beamed. I have never felt greater. I wish to climb to the top of the mountain and shout my love to you so all can hear. Come, take me, take me! His enthusiasm was very real. Gunlod, excited, led him by the hand, back to the main hall, then up the steep, stepless incline out of the fortress to the top of the mountain Chinetborg, one of the tallest peaks in Jotunheim. The sky above was blue, with wispy clouds all over, and a hard wind. Farmir grinned like a cat, the wide-open world before him. Gunlod, dressed only in her cloak, held it close. Farmer looked down at the path of the mountain to the feast hall of Satung below. Farmer moved her, kissed her, then stepped away, preparing to sing. Stronger than Thor the rumors of the beauty and heart of Gunlod that no man living yet claimed. Yet Farmer Amagunlodar came, through secret means, into her dark abode, and there her heart won. But he had a hidden agenda. One of Farmer's eyes gleamed. Gunlod's face blushed, already impressed. I knew of her beauty and her loneliness, but not of that alone. I knew of the meat of poetry and entered these halls through magic means. How did I get in, you ask? How did this burden arrive? Betrayal was my method. Your uncle Boggy sends his regards. And three nights did I give you, and three nights I will long dream of. But now we must part, Gunlod, for I have what I came for. The meat of Kvasir belongs to the people of Kvasir, and to the gods it now goes. Tell your father that All-Father Odin sends his regards. Farewell, sweet Gunlod. I do this not out of spite, but of duty. 
Every word seemed to enrage her more, and in her cloak's interior was a pocket hidden, and within it a dagger. She screamed, charging him, and Farmer, who was Bulverger, who was Odin, knew better than to try. Runes surrounded him, and he transformed, becoming a massive eagle. Screeching, he flapped into the air, knocking her down, and then flew off, heading west. Gunlod screamed behind him, throwing the dagger into the air. It fell short. Soon Odin was joined by Hugin and Munin, meeting him there in Jotunheim. In Odin's many days, he regretted few things, boy, but breaking the heart of Gunlod, Suttung's daughter. He never forgave himself for that. Still, he flew on. Such thoughts filled Odin, such phrases he never had the brilliance to say. For wisest was Odin, but never the surest of tongue. He left that to his son Bragi. Now he equaled Bragi in eloquence. For indeed, boy, with each sip, Odin had drained each entire kettle that contained the meat of poetry. With this mead, now deep in his belly, but magically protected from digestion, Odin would give it to his people, and they would drink it and disseminate it across the nine worlds to the worthy. If he could get there, soon, Odin realized something pursued him. Turning his head, he spied the largest eagle he had ever seen. A giant near-black thing with golden beak, roughly the size of a meat hall in wing length. It was moving closer and closer. It was gaining on him. A single snap of that beak would break his own aviary neck, and Odin knew it. He flapped on, leaving Jotunheim for Midgard, and there heading for Asgard. The voice behind him boomed. I greet you all, Father and Gallows Burden. I am Satung, and you have something of mine. Odin replied, flapping his wings as hard as he could. What you took did not belong to those you stole it from. Kavisir's blood belongs to his people, and the mead is his blood. Satung laughed nearly upon him. Fool that you are! So long as you have that mead within you, I will find you and catch you and kill you and take the mead back to Jotunheim, and we will drink it and march on Asgard, and you will truly hang from the gallows then. And so will all your children and the Vanir, and your precious Frigga too. Odin did not let that bother him. Finding the brilliance inside him, the mead spoke to him ideas. Hugin and Munin ducked behind Odin and began pecking at Satung's head, pulling his feathers. This irritated the shape-shifting Jotun, but still he flapped on. Odin knew in that moment that the place of every portal, every secret path in Midgard to Asgard, and knowing where he was, went into a dive. Satung, following with blind intention, followed the ravens flying off. The secret pathway took Odin and Satung to the edge of Yggdrasil and then into Asgard, where below Odin saw that Tyr and Ulir had followed his orders exactly. Three massive kettles rested below, ready for the mead. Satung let out a cry, realizing that all this had been planned, and Odin dove them, letting out a gagging noise. Whether out of exhaustion or frustration, Satung thought he could get closer. But that was not the case. Odin sped out some of the mead, filling the first kettle, then flapped hard, going up and avoiding the snapping beak of the Jotun Lord's eagle form. Again Odin did this, and Tatung grew closer. 
Spitting up the second batch, it filled the kettle and Odin felt the eagle behind him pull out a tail feather as he flapped upward. Soon, Satung would catch him and destroy him, a sight for every Aesir and Vanir below. He could not let that happen. Terrified, he thought of one thing. Raising up his tail feather as Satung came closer, Odin unleashed eagle waste into Satung's open beak. Indeed, boy. Odin pooped in Satung's mouth. I see the toilet humor is universal for all ages. The Jotun Lord gagged, coughing and spitting and flapping away, for night soil, even in eagles, was never meant for consumption for any people of the nine worlds. Satung was defeated and flew off, babbling. Odin filled the third kettle and landed, turning into Odin. Frigga brought him his cloak and covered him. A daring escape, husband, if not a dignified one. Come, let us drink. And so they did, deep into the night. Every god that drank the mead became as eloquent as Bragi, even Thor letting loose, ripping satire of their fellow god or heartbreaking ballad. Odin spoke of his plan at length to the gathered gods. Frigga was deeply offended that his plan had involved breaking a poor, dutiful daughter's heart. Not for her own sake, mind you, but for Gunlod's. Any loving soul can see how unfair Odin treated her. But duty is duty, boy. Odin would say that to justify it to himself, but did he believe it? Few can say, least of all, himself. As they feasted at length, Frigga's messenger arrived. Gna is a sight boy. She rides upon a winged horse, and a goddess of fullness is she. She carried with her a box and a note, and as she brought it, Odin noticed the look Freya had upon her face. Neither Njord nor Frey shared it. Gna placed the box before Odin and Frigga, then stepped back, her face dark. A letter is within the box, along with the contents. Be warned, sires. Odin and Frigga shared a glance, and he opened the box, taking out the letter on top. Underneath it was a head, a familiar one. It was Mamir's head. Odin removed it, and the song and revelry ended at the sight of it. Staring into Mamir's closed eyes, his mouth drooping as he rose, the Allfather saw the cut was clean and removed evenly. A clean execution. Odin looked to Freya, who stood now. Explain this, Vanir. I see your father and brother had no hand in this. Freya Njord looked to Freya, trying their best to understand. The will of Mimir is the will of Odin, for Odin's uncle does as he pleases. It was noticed not long after the peace that Hynir came to Vanaheim as a guest, with Mimir as his advisor. Hynir was elected our ruler and was wise, but only wise when Mimir was there to act as his advisor. He dominated us. So, with my permission, the Vanir slew Mimir, that the will of Mimir, which is the will of Odin, could not dominate us. Do not forget, Allfather, the Vanir are equal to the Aesir in all ways. Was he angry? Odin is wrathful, glad of war, but this did not make him glad. He recalled the vision that came to him at Mimir's well and realized he had seen this. He should have seen this coming. This was his doing, after all, because he was not thorough enough. 
So the Vanir are equals to the Aesir, and let us not forget it. It was not my intention to look as though I wished to dominate the Vanir, but I should have realized your ways are not our ways. Imposing our ways upon your people was a grave error. Call your people here, Freya. Use your magic to summon them to your hall. The next step of our peace begins now. We must march on Jotunheim together. They are becoming too organized and threaten us again. You all saw Satung chase me. He had the meat of poetry, made of Kvasir, whom we must honor. With magic we may yet revive him, Freya, but together. But come, I must speak to you privately. I have built my hall, which I call Valhalla, and you have built Folkvangir, the hall of the dead and the field of the host. We must rework how dead souls travel after death, and you will be key to that indeed. None shall be above you. She tried to look disinterested, but indeed, this plot pleased Freya. Odin smiled, his eye gleaming. Mimir is not lost to me. On the morrow, Tyr will gather the armies of Aesir and Vanir, and we shall march as one. I will go to the well of Mimir, and there revive him. As a war cry rose among the Aesir, and as Tyr gave orders, and as Freya counted her victory at being able to claim some of the dead for herself, Odin looked to Frigga grimly. He had not seen this coming boy, and that scared him. He was sorry of his uncle's death, but indeed, he could bring him back if he needed to. Most importantly, boy, Odin's sight was diminishing. There was much he had seen in Mimir's well, but no more could Odin sacrifice. There had to be another way to see what was coming, to make the right decisions. Wise was he, but with the death of Mimir, it became clear to Odin that no magical mead nor enchanted well water could give him control over fate and destiny. They were beyond him. And Odin did not like losing control, boy. Soon we shall see him attempt to regain that control. I have one more tale for you, a tale of fang and sacrifice, and of destiny. Thus concludes the tale of the Mead of Poetry. Through this mead, distributed in ways unmentioned in Norse mythology, all poets are explained. The good ones are inspired by the Mead of Poetry that they are allowed to drink by the gods, thus explaining things like inspiration and naturally talented people, while the mead expelled from Odin's bird butt is the explanation for bad poets and poems. Given the varied role of poets and scholars inspired by the meat of poetry, we currently live in an age where the subjectivity of quality is such that one song's amazing quality is to another an awful song. The breaking of Gunnlod's heart is a recurring theme in Norse song, with Odin deeply regretful of his treatment of Gunnlod. In some versions, she bears Odin a son, Bragi, but not in all versions. I elected that Bragi should already be alive and his mother unmentioned, as a catalyst for this tale, with Kvasir leaving Asgard after Bragi made fun of him. Ironically, despite being the poet of the gods, Bragi is also an oft-insulted god, but I'll save that for later. Next, I am combining two tales into a continuum, focusing a bit on Tyr, Loki, and of course, a certain Jodin Sirius, but more on that later. Goddessy is written, researched, and produced by Greg Wright. Additional writing and editing by Sidney Aker, who drinks deeply from the meat of poetry. Song by Scott Buckley, whose creative common music can be found at www.scottbuckley.com.au. Follow Goddessy on social media at The Goddessy Podcast, 
We share mythology factoids daily from all over the world, hilarious memes, and occasionally real-world wisdom. And when you do, reach out and share Goddessy with your friends, followers, and poets and scholars alike. We can also be reached via email. All those links can be found in the show notes below, so check us out there. Your support keeps this show going. If you like what you've heard, leave a review on the podcast service of your choice and help others find us. Share us on social media and maybe we'll march on Jotunheim together. If you want to support the show more directly, you can access weekly blog deep dives and an early access episode on our Patreon. The link is also below. Goddessy releases every Monday. See you next week, Far Traveler.